Hi, everyone. After a little hiatus, we are back with our mental health business show because it is important to know the business of mental health. We have Dr. John Huber, who's a forensic psychologist and founder of Mainstream Mental Health, and also Dave Ballenberger, the CEO of Next Step Solutions, an electronic healthcare record company, my regular co-host. Today, I interview both of them about digital media addiction, specifically social media. We just do a condensed talk on this show, hitting three important points. Please stick around for the whole thing. We've got some very, very important PSAs to put out around some not-so-hot behavior that can happen in the field of healthcare. Thanks for joining us. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sinanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this, intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Good morning, Dr. John Huber and Dave Ballenberger. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you, Kristen. <laughs> so we've got three things that we're going to cover very quickly on this show today. We're going to start with number one, which is the use of uh, digital devices and when that's when that started and what we've seen in terms of uh, things not going so well for our society. Now, I know Dr. John Huber, being a forensic psychologist, you can spit out factoids around this like nobody's business. So I want to start with you uh, with some of the things that you know and that you've seen. Well, we know, for example, that smartphones hit the marketplace in 2007. So this is in 12 years has dramatically, actually in about six months, dramatically changed the landscape of our culture and our society, and then it's worldwide within a year of that. Uh, and we see it with our youth, and our youth do not know how to make uh, individual conversation face-to-face, one-on-one anymore. They've lost that skill, and some interesting things have happened. You know, teenage pregnancies have gone down. Unwanted teenage pregnancies have dropped. So have teenage sexually transmitted infections until they hit about 18, 19 years of age, and they uh, become adults and they get into social media apps like, like Tinder, 
where it's just a hookup app. And what we see is all of a sudden, guess what? STI, sexually transmitted infections, have gone through the roof. Mm. Uh, but at least at that point, you know, they're, they're adult enough and, and they, they think about things like contraception. So we don't have as many of the unwanted pregnancies at that age as we had in the past. So there, there's some give and take in there. There's some good things and some bad things in this. Um, one of the bad things is they don't know how to go uh, and, and do a job interview and right. making eye contact. They think, oh, well, I make eye contact when I'm in trouble. And then they look away, like submissive, like like uh, uh, they're, they're bowing down to the alpha dog in the pack. And, you know, that's not how human interaction is, at least in our culture. And they're having hard times. I get businesses all the time call me up and say, how do I deal with these people? They're, they're just not normal. You know, they don't know how to interact with these, these young groups. And it's, it's falling on business now to have to train their employees, for example, how to answer a phone, a business phone and say, hey, this is such and such company. And I am John. How can I help you kind of thing? You know, they don't even know to say their names. They're so used to just seeing a caller ID on their smartphone and just jumping right into the conversation. And that chases away business and it's scary. And, and those are just some really basic things. We know, you know, the CDC has come down and, and identified social media apps and, and non goal directive screen time as being causal for depression after just two hours of use. Mm. So, I mean, there, there's just so much stuff that has changed and, one of the easiest ways to deal with it is to give yourself vacation time from social media, you know, even a day a week where you just say, I'm not going to do social media. I'm going to use my smartphone as a phone on Tuesday, on Saturday, on Sunday, whatever day that is, and stay off of that social media. And that is oftentimes enough to maintain that I'm not falling into depression kind of situation. Mm-hmm. The other thing is physical activity getting outside our kids are so vitamin d and calcium depleted today and uh you know we kind of started that in the in the late 90s when we started smothering our kids with sunscreen when they were infants before we go outside and we were actually blocking their vitamin d production and uh we in the hopes of trying to stop skin cancer what we're finding out is some of the sunblocks themselves cause skin cancer so it, we're, we're between a rock and a hard place and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so we've found cool. some ways to moderate that. You know, wait till you get to the pool before you put the sunscreen on. It takes about a half an hour for it to kick in and become effective. They get about a half hour of sunlight and then they get protected from the sunburn and the skin cancer and things like that at 30 minutes or so. So just simple things to do, but it has dramatically changed our society. Yeah, it really has. Dave, I wanted to ask you, since you're in the electronic health record business and mental health, what have you seen with younger counselors when you do your, you know, when you do your training sessions? And I know you're doing most of the hands-on, you're working with social workers and so on for the bigger training, but what's the difference that you see when you're doing a training session and you have you know, a younger generation of counselors sitting there as opposed to, you know, maybe people that are in their 40s and so on? Well, I think what you run into is a lot of them, I think, as um, the doctor just pointed out, is even though they consider themselves to be social workers, their ability to interact with others, I can see a limitation in it, um, you know, in terms of what they do. Now, for us to train somebody on electronic 
health record, it goes real quickly because all of them can type, all of them <laughs> can do all those things that right. uh, 40-year-olds, uh, you know, don't do very well because right. we're used to communicating with each other, talking to each other, and not being dependent on something electronic uh, to communicate. And I think one of the difficulties, too, in terms of even treating this is I think um, what John suggested in terms of a day a week away, um, just speaking for myself, when I go outside and I notice that my phone isn't in my pocket, um, I go back and get it. Right. And I, I think probably we've just all become so addicted. And what's happened, too, it's almost like treating um, alcoholism. Alcohol is such an accepted uh, substance. Yes. You know, in our society that this has become almost the same way in terms of, um, you know, just the acceptance of it. Oh, gee, you're on your phone, you're on your computer all the time, whatever it may be. I'm not sure people think about it as a problem. Um, And I think that if we're going to, as a group, try to do something about this, uh, we're going to have to get better at pointing out that, yes, this is an issue and, yes, it is affecting all of us, you know, in terms of how we do things and our ability to interact with others, which is critical um, to what we do. Right. Oh, well, and even in the workplace, um, I have young people doing our installs and I keep asking them, they keep sending emails and I keep asking, why aren't you calling the customer up? Right. Well, I'll just send them an email. Well, no, no, that's no. not the no. same. Um, you have to talk to them. You have to form a relationship with them. And they look at me like I'm bug-eyed. Right. They don't know how. Yeah, they don't know how. And it's difficult. And then they get on the phone with somebody. And I sit on the, I sit in these calls. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at them like, huh? You know, <laughs> here, let me talk. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? And I see that a lot. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me because I see it as well. I see this inability to type a complete sentence, use proper grammar and punctuation. And oh, I'm not trying yeah. to sound like a librarian that's, you know, pointing a finger. It's just when you're in a business business setting and, you know, someone is is maybe handling your social media or they're doing or they're, you know, conducting business with your clients, if they can't structure a sentence properly and their spelling is an atrocity, like they're ignoring Google, you know, showing them mm-hmm. this is clearly spelled wrong. Um, words are missing, just a way of communicating that is that social, uh, warm and fuzzy, finish things m- mode of communicating isn't there. Those skills aren't there. And, um, and the patience for me saying you've got to complete this i can't go in and constantly have you know correct what you're doing yeah um that isn't there but also really this quick to anger quick to you know in years past when i would correct someone that was younger they would respectfully okay and make the change now what i see is if i do that they immediately go to hot button red defcon (laughs) one Uh, anger, crying, whatever it is, because those skills uh, of, you know, having to learn how to do things correctly, just they're literally not there. Well, I think too, it's quick to frustration. 
Yes. You know, just getting frustrated very quickly. Whereas, um, I don't know, I don't get that frustrated. Of course, I'm older, uh, you know, so I'm used to it. And I see it in my grandchildren. Um, when they go places with me, none of the devices get into my van. All that stuff stays home. <laughs> and they'll say, well, I'm bored. Well, then talk to me. Let's have a yeah. conversation. Um, let's talk to each other. Cause, um, and their parents are the same way, so that's good. But, um, but you know, they go to school, and everybody's doing their work on a device. Um, you know, and that's all you really hear about, which is a lot different than when I went to school. You did everything with a pencil and a piece of paper. Right. Or a slide rule. <laughs> or a slide rule, yeah. Yeah, to figure things out. You couldn't Google your answer. You know, you had right. to figure it out in your head um, and be able to do that. Um, you know, I remember the good old days with, with the nuns. They'd stand us at the back of the room, give us a division problem. We had to have it figured out by the time we got to the front of the room, and heaven forbid you didn't give the right answer. Right. Um, well, okay, Dave. You know, it was hard anymore. to carry that abacus. It was hard to carry that abacus up there. Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, so uh, it, it, it's a different world, and um, you know, I think um, and when we talk about treating this, you know, yeah, we can stick things in a piece of software, but are we treating it? You know what I mean? Like, right. what do you do um, if you don't get people to like spend time away from it? Uh, do something different, but we don't seem to be catching on to that as a society. Well, Dave, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, we get feedback, neural, neurochemical feedback from these social media apps, and it is actually the same mechanism that works with heroin, only instead of sticking a needle in their arm, they want a like or they want a, a, a check here response of any kind, yeah. and yeah. they get a dopamine burst. And unfortunately, you know, we get the same thing. We see a friend walking down the a hallway we haven't seen in a couple of days, maybe in a couple hours, and we see that smile. We get a dopamine burst. We shake their hand, mm -hmm. skin to skin mm -hmm. contact. We get oxytocin being produced. We get all these neurochemical messengers that are emotionally and neurochemically very refreshing and nourishing. On social media, they, the only thing we see, we know we get consistently is dopamine. So what they're doing is essentially drinking a diet soda. They get a sweet taste in their mouth. They got a full belly, but they get no nutrition from that at all. And so they don't understand the benefits of that face-to-face -face connection, our youth today. And it's very difficult to teach that uh, unless we can get them to do a break. I love the fact that you, you do that with your, your grandkids and you say, nope, here's, here's the, the deal. And some of the things that we can do with kids, I do with my own kids. I take them hunting and fishing and camping and we get out mm -hmm. where there's no cell phone. There's no range. They, they're yeah. just, you know, so they can take them with them. But by the time we get out there, you know, they, they don't even turn them on, wait till they catch fish or get, get a, you know, a deer or yeah. something. Then they pull out their cameras and, yeah. uh, and what happens is, you know, that you go back and get your cell phone. It's because of that dopamine. You're actually having withdrawal symptoms at that point. And you go back and get it. How do we break that system? And what I do know is when you get into that depression cycle from that, because that's exactly what's happening. If you spend, you know, just a week, seven days off your social media app, that that is enough to break that cycle. Unlike alcoholism or heroin, where you just continually mm -hmm. for decades feel that need. 
And then if you go from that seven day period and take that one day off every week, it maintains its relative importance in your life, but you also are able to divide and, and separate from your cell phone without going through that, that addictive process. Yeah, that's, yeah, I totally agree. And I think getting people to do that is the challenge. Yes. Um, and getting, you know, cause I see with a lot of parents that I see that, um, those devices have become babysitters. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and, uh, so now, you know, instead of watching TV, everybody's on their device and everybody used to be so against sitting there watching TV. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes I think that wasn't so bad. Uh, you know, well, I, I don't know. You know, I, I watch babies sitting in front of Jerry Springer. I just wonder what kind of social behaviors they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, so I think that's what hap- has happened too, is it does become, well, go play on your devices. Okay. Well, all right. So that goes on for hours and then nothing else goes on. Right. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it, it's, it's a real challenge. And, um, you know, I think Kristen with the effort that we're trying to do with the group, um, we may need to look just more at how we're going to market, um, staying away from social media a day a week or two days a week or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've all said with Digital Tech Initiative, we're not going to lead with shame because we'd be standing up there with our own devices interrupting us Absolutely. in the middle of some of the talks that we're doing about this. Yeah. Um, so it's that's not going to work. Um, it's it's more about explaining, you know, look, the, and to different age groups. The A talk to a group of people, you know, in high school is going to be very different uh, than a talk we would do, you know, that we're doing in front of a bunch of corporate executives. So, yeah. um, you have to tailor it for the, you know, the age that you're that you're dealing with. And the biggest part is, you know, look, we're we all have these. These have improved life tremendously in many, many, many ways. If you're going to use it, use it for good and take breaks from it. And also notice notice when you see dangerous behavior with your peers or, you know, someone that's really struggling, notice that um, when you see that in terms of what they're posting, how they're posting, um, how they're using their devices, that's a key factor in this also. Yeah, I think you're, you know, I think you're right. We're going to have to figure out how to do that. Yep. And, and we are, we are, we are, we've got a group of incredible, um, you know, incredible people from, iGen generation on up. So we're, we've created this, uh, this group to really tackle this. And we're not saying we have all the answers, um, but we're, um, you know, collective brain power is a good thing. And, and being a team is a really good thing. I want to get into our last discussion today, which will be about, there are, um, you know, when you get into the healthcare field of any kind, and we're all, you know, in the mental health field, and you are claiming to be a doctor of something and you're claiming to be the inventor of this or that, how dangerous and misleading that actually is and what could be the underlying disorder of someone who does these types of things. So I wanted to start with you on that, Dr. Huber, uh, because you've got some pretty strong opinions and, you know, you're also out there on the witness stand, um, you know, testifying in cases where, you know, 
there are things going on that the facts are there because of your forensic psychology degree and your field of study. That's what you're called there for. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, it's kind of interesting. And and I remember on my journey to becoming doctor, you know, with with the the PhD. Actually, I have a PsyD. Um, the the challenges that I faced. I watched all these people who you know seemed so you know narcissistic. Oh well, you know, I'm Doctor Huber, and you know, and I'm, oh, I'm not going to be that person. But what happens is, you know, when you spend a large percentage of your life going after that, that diploma, you know, it it is very time consuming. It took me 18 years. I mean, this wasn't, you know, a journey I took lightly. And, uh, you know, I have four different degrees. And when I got to become doctor, it was an evolution. At first, I'm like, no, you know, just call me, you know, Mr. Huber, Mr. Huber. After about six months, I didn't respond to Mr. Huber because I was so used to everybody calling me Dr. Huber that until I heard the word doctor it, in, in a crowd, it doesn't draw my attention. In fact, my wife loves to bring that to everybody's attention at dinner parties. I'll be across the room and she'll, she'll go, John, John, Mr. Huber. And then she'll yell, Dr. Huber. And I turn around and go, okay, yeah. Did you say something? Yeah. And it, it she drives that point home. And it's not that, you know, I don't respond to those. It's just, well, actually, I don't respond to them. I, I don't hear them because I'm so conditioned now. And it's not, uh, it, it, I don't think it's because I, I'm narcissistic to that point. I know being in front of media means we have to be a little narcissistic. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, you know, I earned that. I spent a large chunk of my life getting to that point, And I did it for me. I didn't do it for my wife, my parents, anybody else. And I don't re recommend anybody do that. I also know that if you look at the Associated Press, their rules are they don't call me doctor because I'm not an MD. That is that is their cutoff. You have to have an MD or they're not going to call you doctor. And that's part of their policy and procedure because they don't want to mislead the people. And that is the important thing right there. You don't want to mislead people. And there are people running around uh, without even bachelor's degrees that are calling themselves the doctor of this and doctor of that. And it's fraud. I mean, they have not done the legwork. They don't have the experience. And I understand, too, that just because you have an education doesn't mean that you're, you're smart and doesn't mean that you're uh, able to. <laughs> exactly. But when you're calling yourself that you're telling everybody up front that you do have a certain level of training and ex expertise, whether, whether you're good at what you do or not, you've gone through the, the process and that in itself is rigorous and, and deserves a certain amount of respect. And uh, it, it minimizes it for those of us who've gone through that process. It also undermines the, the safety and security of our community. And that, that's the whole reason why uh, there are actually physical laws out there that say you can't represent yourself as something you're not. Yes. And it's called fraud. That's and right. uh, it, it, you know, go back to the snake oil salesman. That, that's, that's what we're doing by saying these things. And it's, it's very difficult in society to identify all the specialties that are out there. And when people 
hear you calling yourself doctor, they assume that you have a certain level of credibility. I, I know when I got my first master's degree, there are certain cultures around, around our world that they immediately started calling me doctor. And I work with a lot of different uh, implants and, and immigrants from different countries. And I learned quite quickly that as a master's level pr practitioner, all of a sudden I'm the doctor and I would have to, okay, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I do respect, you know, you're, you're, you're honoring me with that kind of thing. And, and that you, you're telling me you, you, you believe I'm as good as a doctor. That's fine. But I would always remind them that I'm not. And then I would just leave it at that because I don't want to browbeat them as well. Right. But I always made sure that they knew, no, I'm not a doctor, but I, thank you very much for, for believing that I'm as good as a doctor and I would move forward. Um, and not every culture is respectful like that, but to undermine that authority, that does not, in fact, it harm, potentially harms our community and our society by representing yourself as something you're not. And it's, it's a dangerous mm -hmm. thing. Absolutely. Dave, your thoughts on that? Well, I've had the same thing happen to me over my career, too, where people would want to call me doctor. And I had to say, ooh, ooh, no, I'm merely an MSW. Right. <laughs> Mere, merely, merely like that. Right. Like that's method. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. yeah uh, <laughs> you know, I, I am not a doctor. But yeah, I, and I and I've run into people um, who call themselves doctor. And I would ask them, well, doctor of what? You know, <laughs> Dave is really good about just getting right to the point. He doesn't care yeah. who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Show me something that tells me you're a doctor right. or something. And they would immediately go away. You know, and I'd say, well, you can't go around and tell these clients that you're a doctor. Um, you don't work here anymore. You know, I mean, I've had that happen. And um, it's like, you know, patients would come to me like I had outpatient clinics for about three years. And I had this one guy where he was telling everybody he was a doctor. Well, he was, he was barely a social worker. Wow. Um, you know, and finally I just got rid of him. Um, and, and I also let license, he did have a license and I did let licensing know that he's representing himself as something he's not. Uh -huh. And I don't know if they did anything about it, but um, you know, very often folks get away with it because nobody checks or exactly. nobody goes and looks. And, and they're talking about things that sometimes make absolutely no sense. Um, that the doctor this and doctor that. Yeah, it's, it's very dangerous. And people hear doctor and all of a sudden they think they're going to get the magic cure. Well, that's not really the case. Absolutely. And I mean, there are people that have been actually, you know, expelled from school. What's, what's the word? It's not expelled when you've been kicked out of college or kicked out of is that the word expelled? Expelled. Uh, um, yeah, I, it's, I know there's... it's a difficult process to do. I know when I, when I caught students cheating, you know, I got sent a stack of papers almost two inches thick that I had to fill out before they would allow me to uh, uh, kick them out of the university. And, you know, because it goes on their transcript and the mm -hmm, attorneys mm -hmm. for the university want to make sure that, you know, it's going to hold up in court and that kind of stuff. And and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it actually turned out to be easier for me to impose my own sanctions. And I got rewarded by having students that I caught cheating come back 
you know, three or four years later thanking me and they finally graduated and they're like, Hey, if you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have learned anything kind of thing. So, yeah. um, right. Yeah. Right. I know those things that you do. I mean, certainly I've had situations where I have towed that hard line and said, this is not okay. This behavior is not okay. I'm done. Like you're out because what you're doing right. is dangerous and mm. man, the anger and the, you know, lashing out that you can get mm -hmm. from someone for doing that. And then hopefully, years later they go you know that was the best thing that ever happened to me right. you hope for that you know you hope for that mm -hmm. it doesn't always happen sometimes they're on a path of destruction for a long time and that's when they're going to keep going that way but yeah, but you yeah, do you're not going to do a lot about it yeah. exactly Absolutely. but i would say you know as a psa if there are people out there, I don't care if someone else called the, calls them doctor and then they just adopted it because they think it's cute or cool or whatever, and they're not a doctor and that is what they're calling themselves. Um, and if you look back at the history and you see expulsions and, you know, uh -huh. other things that have gone on that have not been good, that is not someone that you should listen to. That is someone that needs help. <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah, that's right yeah so, so yeah so let's all be careful and not believe everything that we hear and you know the last piece that ties it together is you know it's that same thing of look it takes doing the work it takes a long time to even get a bachelor's degree to get your master's yeah. degree to then get your yeah. phd or your md it takes hard work you do have yeah. to know how to spell you do have to know how to, <laughs> how to complete yeah. a sentence you do have to know how to deal with people and some people do it better and worse depending on what they're you know what's going on with them but you do have to learn how to do these things and it's so mm -hmm. typical of a, of a younger person of today with what's happening to them with social media to go well i you know i saw a meme uh dr huber that you posted about you know some a kid saying i'm looking for a job as a ceo let me know when i can <laughs> Yeah. And it's so exactly. typical of a kid today to have none of those things, but then immediately yeah. go, I'm a doctor because of that, that hit that they're getting and they're training, you know, they're trained to, to want that easy road through this ability to just bleh and vomit out every thought that you've ever had on social media and get some kind of reaction to it. It's, it's teaching them not to take that longer road mm -hmm. but blaming it on social media that, that that that's what made me be this way is a cop-out my friends it absolutely is <laughs> absolutely absolutely and uh, you know we have to you know the, the whole idea of a profession is that we 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 monitor ourselves we, we monitor our peers we see something we don't understand that one of our quote-unquote peers is doing the, the, the responsibility is we move to them and say, okay, help me understand this. Why are you doing this? What's the process yes. behind that? And they may have some insight that we don't have, right. but they may also not realize that they're not doing things kosher, for lack of a better word. And, you know, some of these people may not really understand because, again, they don't have the world experience and the right. lifetime experience to know what it takes to actually become a doctor. They may think everybody just calls themselves that and 
you know, everybody accepts it. And uh, yeah. to some extent, there is a societal norm that says if you do X, Y, and Z, you, you get the title of doctor. And our group of people have recognized that. So uh, it is kind of a social uh, norm that we have out there. And so why can't they just do that within society? Well, it, it also tells society there's a certain level of training that you've got. Whether you're good at it or not, you've had a certain level of training. And uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. It really is. But we have to police ourselves as a profession. And that means calling these people out on it. Right. And but doing it in private in a respectful way. And if that doesn't work, then you move to the next level, which is less and less private as we go forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Dave, your thoughts. Like um, the MSW students I would supervise in the field and I'd ask them, mm -hmm. well, what are you going to do when you get done with school? And they tell, well, I'm going to be a private therapist. And I said, you're going to be a <laughs> private therapist. You have the experience of this field placement and one year of graduate school and you're going to be a private therapist. Well, yeah, I'm going to make $85,000 a year. Awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> I explained to them that that really isn't how it works. Um, and that what I've seen so far in terms of their clinical work in a substance abuse program, they're going to, they're going to be hungry. Um, if they think they're going to be a private therapist, they have a lot to learn, right. you know? So I, I think the whole thing about experience and learning, um, that sometimes gets lost and um, everybody wants to get to the top with no work. Yes, exactly. And, exactly and a lot of times people want to, you know, piggyback on other people's hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, claim it as their own. And, and then that's how they get there. That doesn't work yeah. either. It doesn't, it just oh. doesn't work. Plagiarism. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's easy today. You can just take a, a sentence or two out of their report and Google it. It's amazing how documents come up. Oh, Other people yeah. said it. You know, what's funny is I will write something and, you know, I, I, I've put all these years of experience and, you know, I'm 49 years old into writing something and I'll see someone take a few sentences out of it directly of what I've written and claim it as their own. And I'm not out there, you know, policing everything I write, but I, and, and they're trying to make a point against something that I say, I've had that happen a few times. And I think, wow, you, you know, I don't say, I don't say anything because at that point I don't want anything to do with that person. But I think you, you, they, you got nothing but good come. I mean, nothing but, uh, but hard times coming your way doing that to a yep. lot of people because it, it always catches up to you. And it Always. is that time that you spend on taking from other people and claiming it as your own is time that you could be putting into creating your own stuff. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I don't mind people coming and saying, Hey, you know, I love your idea. Can I use that? You know, I'm yeah. like, Hey, just give me credit. Just give me credit. Right. And, uh, you know, and the same thing I do. I mean, if you go to my website, you know, I've got all, you know, this was from WebMD. This is from here. This is from the APA that, you know, I give credit where it's due. I mean, I, I understand that, that uh, I, I got through this life by learning from other people. And even though I may feel like something may be an idea of my own, somebody planted that in my head, whether That's it was right. my third grade teacher or my graduate, my doctorate professor, you know, my chair, chair, the chair of my dissertation committee. And I, I totally, when I can 
identify where it's at, I want to give credit to those people because they worked hard to get that too. Exactly. 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 Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on and doing this show today. Dr. John Huber, please tell our listeners where they can find out more about you. Well, my website is a good place to start and you can get there two ways. You can go to mainstreammentalhealth.org or you can go to drpsycho.org. That's D-R-P-S-Y-C-H-O.org. Is that for real? Yes, ma'am. I thought, right. We do a show, listeners, um, with uh, Ryan McCormick, our wonderful, incredible PR person for this network and for Dr. Huber. And uh, we do a show on mental health perspectives every week. And Ryan kept saying that, and I thought he was joking. <laughs> But he's clearly well, it basically doubled it doubled my traffic flow by doing that because they don't have to remember mainstream mental health. And you know, they're driving down the highway, they're listening, and they hear Dr. Psycho, they'll remember that. Oh, yeah, and yeah, they will. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. And you can also find him and Dave Fallenberger at digitaltechinitiative.com. But Dave, please tell our listeners where they can find out more about you. Uh, they can go to our website, which is nextstepsolutionsinc.com. Or um, I have a very nice site on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on today. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.